Vince Warhorse, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Shoot Podcast. So sit down, shut up, clean out your ears, listen up, otherwise Warhorse is going to rule your ass. Yo, what's up? This is M.P. Young, the leader of the motherfucking Polyam Cult, and you are listening to the Pro Wrestling Shoot. This is Charlie Haas, and I'm talking to you at the Pro Wrestling Shoot. If you don't pay attention to this podcast, then you know what? You guys can go yourself. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Here we go again. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Hey, what's up? This is your host, Jesse Carter. Pro Wrestling Shoot. It's about to get exciting. Pro Wrestling Shoot. How long is this going to last? Pro What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Shoot. I am your host, James Pernard Jr. And this time we have Conrad Cushman once again. Um, how's it going, Conrad? Oh, another wonderful, wonderful week in the world of professional wrestling. How are you? Good, sir. You know what? I'm actually doing good. Um, it's been a while since I chatted with you. Um, I know, as you heard, I just moved into my apartment, so it's a you know, a lot of a lot of work still needs to be done, but you know, it's uh you know, big journey going on for myself. I know you've obviously have gone through that, so you know the hassles of it at times. But um yeah, that's that's where I'm standing right now. Just got my new apartment. Uh been here officially I believe a I believe a week, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, just uh setting up things, you know, putting furniture together, all the little details you gotta put in together. Always fun, right? Always fun. Yeah. How you been? How, anything going on for you? Any shows? Um, let me see. Last week I did the show with Jesse for a couple segments. We talked about uh, Mayans and things like that. I haven't really been able to uh, start any other shows right now at the moment. Um, hopefully getting to it. I know I'm hyped for Stranger Things dropping that volume two coming out soon. Yeah, no, I know that's a big deal. I need to jump on that. So I know he's been bugging me to start watching shows and now I have the time to do it. So I will be watching shows. So any recommendations you have, he has, anybody has, just throw them right at me. Bro, um, I'm telling you, know. you, I got you right now. You got to get into Stranger Things. Um, Easily. If you, if, yeah. If you love like all that 80s stuff, you're going to dig that. Um, I'm big on Mayans. Uh, there was There's some show called like Murder by the Numbers or something like that. Where okay. they're all in like a, or maybe it's like a murder mystery type of show. Uh, I was told to watch it by a buddy of mine, and I've, I've been told that was pretty good. I just saw a special on it that it got renewed for a second season. So, yeah, I'm definitely willing to check that out as well. Okay, yeah, I need plenty of shows. I think my girlfriend, uh, who I currently with, with, of course, I know she's watching like uh, Good Girls, Stranger Things is in the mix. Um yeah, she she's more into the shows, and I know she'll catch up on stuff. Like, I need to start watching series myself. So, I know he's gonna not give me more excuses of, "Hey, you got the time now to watch this stuff." So, I will <laughs> do my best to do that. Um, I know he's been bugging me for the Xbox for some time. 
listen, man, we're we're in a tough period too for sports fans like us. It's it's a drought right now. There's only baseball, really. Yeah, I know. Sadly, um, lost some money actually on hockey the other night, so that was a bummer. You didn't um, pick Colorado? No, I I had money on the Lightning, and I was going against a friend of ours. You know, hey, I I tried to go for it, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I could have been. I knew basketball. I figured it was going to be the Warriors, and now yeah, we just got baseball. So, not the biggest, not the biggest thing to me, but you know, I'll give it a watch or watch or two, and then uh, who's your, who's your uh, team is, for baseball? You know. Considering I'm like 15 minutes from the Angel Stadium, I mean I do do watch the Angels, but they're just so goofy. They're I don't know what to say about them. You know, they're just a mess. I mean, they just had a a baseball brawl if you saw that other day where they actually threw in punches. Um, so it depends. I mean, I you know I don't have really any Dodger gear or Angel gear, but I'll support either one. Um, so. That's all I hear. I was listening to sports radio, and it's always Dodger talk, so that's all I hear. Lakers, um, pretty soon I'm going to hear Rams in, in a couple months, so that's you know something I'm not happy for, but it is what it is. <laughs> I, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, so I know in a few months I'll be excited to uh, play some fantasy football. Uh, I never asked you, do you play any uh, fantasy football yourself? I used to, but I stopped doing it for money once I went uh, for like my master's degree. I was like, bro, this thing costs way too much money, and I can't afford to lose like fifty bucks in like some fantasy league right now. So yeah. ever since then, if it wasn't free, I'm like, nah, nah, count me out. Yeah, we usually just do a free one with like a couple of us. That was was my first time last year, and it was very, very tough with COVID and everything. Uh, I was runner up, so um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, I'm not sure who the first pick's going to be, if it's going to be a quarterback or a running back or even a wide receiver. It's kind of kind of tricky, but I'm excited for football. So, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah wait it, it is back. a dry season for, for sports right now. I mean, you just got baseball, and that's pretty much it. They get June, a little bit of June, and then July, and most of August. You know what's the beautiful time about this part of the year? Pro wrestling is 24-7, 365. They're always on. It is, you know, we just came off of Forbidden Door. Um, you know, I didn't know what to expect from this. I don't like I like me and Jesse have stayed a number of times. Uh, we don't watch New Japan as much, or rarely. Nothing against it, you know. It's just it's it's just a lot of wrestling. You got Ross, you got WWE, you got AEW. You kind of try to watch Ring of Honor, you know. And uh, I, you know, I knew some of the wrestlers for New Japan a little bit. Kind of some introduction. You know what? You know, besides, uh, I believe they had two injuries on the show. Um, it was pretty a pretty good, superb show, and uh, you know, and they're gonna make this an annual thing. That's what they're trying for. What did you? What were your thoughts on the whole show? I absolutely love it. I love New Japan Pro Wrestling, though. So that's a whole different story for me, though. Um, I go, I go way back to like I think it was like Wrestle Kingdom nine when i finally started watching it and ever since then bro kind of been hooked on it like it's really good when you uh can figure out a way to watch it and you get to it uh i use new japan world so it's a lot of fun it's pretty cheap it's like the network it's probably i want to say it's like eight or nine bucks a month whatever you get to watch the shows whenever you want you can go back and watch them on there it's different though too like it's not as easy to navigate through like the network but it's fun for what you use it for um 
I love watching the shows on there, and I thought that the talent they have is absolutely amazing, and I've always wanted to see like this dream show type of scenario. I became a fan of a lot of people uh, similar to how Tony Khan had mentioned. Like, growing up as a kid, I'll never forget the first time I saw Jushin Thunder Liger, his mask, his cape, the music, like everything kind of got me into it a lot. So, getting into that, I saw him versus Flying Brian Pillman, one of my favorite WCW wrestlers, and they were mm-hmm. battling over the light heavyweight title. I can't remember what year this was. I want to say it was like 92, maybe 91. Around, Somewhere I was a early kid. 90s, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely loved it, bro. I like fell in love, and I started watching him. Then they had Great Muda come over, and I remember yes. Great Muda, and Muda with the mist and the face pain, and he was wrestling Barry Windham, someone else who I really like watching absolutely stunning matches and muda became like the world champ you could always get into a chono um i i there were a couple other guys that they had brought over and i'm like they always just interest me so then growing up you know you kind of there's no way to watch this they would pop up from time to time they would pop up even in like 99 early 2000s but once youtube came out bro greatest thing ever and rob will tell everybody the story i was watching new japan when it was bad bro like bad bad where everybody's like oh this is horrible and um i loved it though i was watching like bob sap and i i was able to see liger and muda and i'm like these are all my favorites bro and they're still doing this i'm like yes this is great and i would go back and watch all the old ones and you know you could fall down a youtube rabbit hole and watch like when jericho was there guerrero it's so much fun dude Oh, yeah. And you get like a mix. I mean, you know, Japan wrestling, you know, is a big tradition over there as well. And like the atmosphere, the fan, the fans are taking like a little different compared to American fans, a lot different. They, you know, they don't, they're not, they don't make wrestling a mockery in a way, if you will. Like they they applaud for everything. They don't do like cheers and chants. They're just like very, you know, we're here to focus on business. We're here to watch wrestling. And they literally analyze everything. And well, cur- you know, currently it's illegal for them to chant. They're not allowed to oh, uh, chant in the arenas. Yeah, so if you're watching like the last year or two and you just hear the clapping, it's because they're not allowed to cheer yet. Rumor was it is, because of COVID or was yeah, it just before this? COVID. So huh. hopefully that lightens up and then they'll be able to cheer again. But they're like you said, they're totally different, though, compared to like a U.S. market where we'll get loud for stuff and be like, yeah, and do chants. They're more <laughs> like respectful. Like you'll watch chain wrestling, and it'll sound like nothing's happening in the arena until the end of the sequence, and then you'll hear like you'll get the claps. Yeah, it's just no. It's like reactions, but no reaction. Just you know, just applause when you know pretty much when you're told to. But like they're very honorable. They're very respectful. You know, they don't do like nonsensical things like American fans do. I mean, for Forbidden Door, we had fans. I just saw the video of like a security kicking like a guy out of the arena and they're chanting UF up during the main event match. You know, <laughs> you would not see that over there in Japan. Not one bit. You you also don't usually see people acting up over there either. At least I've never seen it on camera. But yeah, it, it's fun for what it is. And I thought the uh, the Forbidden Door show, despite like the mess that the show is, like that's going to be a story one day or a DVD for AEW to sell, like just explaining everything that happened. We had Punk, he was our champ, he broke his foot. We had Danielson, Danielson had to go out. We had um, so many plans and things had to change. Kyle O'Reilly got hurt. Mm-hmm. Bobby Fish then had to be out for an injury. Adam Cole is like partially hurt. We could we didn't know if we were going to get Okada until the week before. Hiromu Takahashi goes out with a fever. 
Lance Archer's on the pre-show. We just added him in at the let. Like the show just seemed like, what is going on? But I think everything mm-hmm. worked out. Right now, this is this could be show of the year right now. Like I thought it was yeah. that good. Yeah, I believe I saw it. It had like a nine point three rating somewhere. I forgot. Um, but yeah, like all the injuries going on, you know, they they still put a a uh, a great show whatsoever. You know, from top to bottom, you know, New Japan had their issues, and you know they had to resort to other people coming in. I mean, Tomiro, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, if I'm pronouncing that right, you got um, it. Clark Connors came in, you know, which he did a fantastic job, you know. Um, and you, you, and it's kind of, you know, if you think about it, you're kind of embracing both companies, so it's kind of helping both of them. I would say New Japan kind of got more out of it in a way. You know, you're introducing wrestlers that you know American fans usually see, like El Fantasmo. Um, you know, Okada, um, you know, I've never watched, you know, I've seen clips of Will Ospreay and he was a fantastic wrestler, you know, that was my match of the night. Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy. I saw so many people like trying to give Orange some crap and I'm like, dude, this dude's really good. Like, I don't think you guys understand like the lazy gimmick, how good he has to be to pull off like hands in the pocket with everything. And like, that's him showing off basically. Yeah. I was actually going to throw that in there. Once I saw that, um, Will Ospreay and Orange Cassie, I know a lot of people threw it in there of, of you know, how's this match going to be? Like, really, of all people, they had to pick Orange, you know, and I'm not going to lie. The first time I, you know, when I got introduced to Orange, I thought, okay, it's a it's a gimmick. He's just a lazy guy, puts his hand in his pockets, does a couple moves here and there. He, he started growing on me, and this match, you know, Will Ospreay really, really elevated him. And uh, honestly, that was, you know, I mean, there was a couple matches, like even the trio matches were good. You know, but that one stuck out to me, just back and forth, back and forth. I, I love that match. I love the uh, FTR uh, match. I thought that was really good. And I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other ones without getting too deep into the... Um, the, the, the Bucks and uh, what was the Dudes of Attitude. Oh, Sting. Bro, that was a yes. great thing they did with Sting, like him being in the high in the rafters, and then all of a yeah. sudden he was on top of the thing. So well done. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, no, he's not going to come down and float down from the, the ring. I, I thought he was going to do something else, especially, you know, in honor of Owen. They're not going to do that whatsoever. Right. And, uh, you know, Sting was fantastic, you know, for his age. The guy is still going on. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet some time ago, like, oh, he signed a contract with AEW. Don't expect him to get it as physical. When he does get physical, he really wants to elevate and do as much as he can, do jumps, you know. We've heard it many times. He was going to do the, the, the spot on top when Jeff did it um, during that uh, tag match against him and Butcher and Blade. You know, that, that match, you know, that was a great starter for the show, whatsoever. You know, I, th- I mean, besides the mishaps, the FTR match was good, even with uh, uh, Dax getting injured and rushing back and then coming right back like a, with the, you know, the fans being behind him as a heroic hero. You know, the ending for that was... They, they, they were... They were just everything in general, they pictured it nicely. Even with the little inconveniences, Forbidden Door was good. I expect more for the following years. Hopefully not as much injuries, of course. But, you know, what it was, it was an excellent pay-per-view for sure. A couple of, you know, issues, of course. I know people were bummed out with the whole Adam Cole situation and they end that match a little early, but still it was a fantastic show whatsoever. And the ending was brilliant just to get into Blood and Guts, which by the time you guys listen to this, you know, damn well, it's going to be a kick-ass match. And uh, the pop that Cesaro got 
you know, I, I we, we everyone was kind of being skeptic of who was going to be. Was it going to be Gargano? Was it going to be Cesaro? Was it going to be somebody else? Cesaro delivered, and I, you know, that was the perfect element to bring him in whatsoever. Even though that wasn't the plan, it was perfect to bring him in at that moment. I, I'm a big Claudio Castagnoli guy. Like, Claudio was great in Ring of Honor. I loved him in the uh, Kings of Wrestling with Chris Hero. I thought that these dudes did uh, a tremendous job. But Claudio coming into the Blackpool Combat Club works. He He's the guy who Regal last faced in NXT. Moxley was someone Regal trained. Danielson, someone Regal trained. Yuta is the upstart for them and the, the young man who's going to probably take them to new levels. I really think it was fun. And James, I kind of want to, I kind of want your opinion. Like, did, did Tony Khan make the right move by saying, you know what, Cesaro was going to debut on the ROH pay-per-view that got announced on the media scrum. Was it right to say, you know what, we got to call him up for this. Like, we have to do this now. I mean, I think the right person was there. I mean, like you said, his last match was against Regal. You know, his caliber of like wrestling style kind of fits with the, the group and whatsoever. And then the interesting thing is they have them, they have Claudio in there, and then you have the feud with Eddie Kingston throwing shots at him like, oh, you actually have balls for coming to this company. So it's kind of interesting where they're going to go with this, you know, but it's a good replacement until, you know, uh, Brian comes back. So, you know, I was very excited. I've always liked this ring style. Just the uppercuts are like a killer to me. I, I love the uppercut style. You know, everyone was going to go crazy for the swing, you know. Bro, yeah, I he, think, you know, he, he, he came he put, out. I thought he was going to dog walk Zack Sabre Jr. He just uppercutted him and did the neutralizer. I was like, I know they're not about to do this to Zack Sabre yeah, Jr., bro. No way. No way. I, I mean, I like the way they started the match, the, you know, the teasing of just going right out of them and doing the neutralizer. I'm like, this can't be the ending, right? You know, but that's how Cesaro is. He has that fast paced attitude and he's the right person for the group. You know, they, you know, and I don't even know if it was ever their intentions to even bring him to the group, but just have us at a, you know, just a regular. I don't even know who they were going to have him debut against in the first place, but mind to say, he was the perfect guy for sure to get it, to be included into the show and be included to the, to the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, happy to see him. Uh, we didn't even get into Pack really. Pack becoming the first ever uh, All-Atlantic champion. I thought that was really, I thought Miro had that in the bag. I was like, oh, Miro's about to win when he locked in the game over. But Malachi made the save, missed to the face, uh, hits him with the blackout kick, and then somehow, some way, he gets caught with a 450, and then uh, Connors is put into the brutalizer and taps out. Pack looks good with the title. Yeah, he does. I know he used to get a lot of crap when he came into the company, and he's really grown on everyone. Um, this that was an interesting match to to look at. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but um. You know, it was kind of debating for me and Jesse, like, who are you going to take? Like, we were thinking, maybe Miro's going to win. Maybe it's going to be Malachi. You know, he needs a belt on his strap. But Miro, you know, he just came back. Maybe they're going to give it to him. You know, and I didn't think about Pac too much. And, you know, I think that she changed the name of the title because I know it's been, bock, uh, been mocked just because it's called Atlantic. But what an excellent match. And honestly, the, the perfect person to win the title. I, yeah, I was on those media calls with Tony Khan, and I wanted to really, like, everybody was asking a bunch of questions, and that was kind of the one thing I thought that was getting missed because of all the news and injuries and everything. I really wanted to ask, like, what was the purpose of creating this title, and, like, what's your vision for it going forward? Because it really wasn't explained, like, what is this title going to become? 
And now I'm wondering, like, how does this title compare in relation to the TNT Championship? Uh, it, it just made a lot of things where you're like, okay, let's see what they're going to do with this. Yeah, it's kind of like, where, where do you put this in the tier? You know, when you think of the TNT title, you think of that as mainly a mid-card. And then you got the world title. Now you got the All-Atlantic. And that might just be a globally world title. And I don't think they're going to do the TNT title and bring it over to Japan, vice versa. Um, but, you know, they do have many international stars on there. So, you know, I mean, I know we've given WWE number of times crap for more titles. But, you know, hey, if they had to bring some, I guess, some sort of IC title, if you want to say. And we listen, a lot of fans and myself included sometimes where I'm like, hey, Tony, you got to watch how many people you're signing. It made sense in this situation, bro. Like it's actually coming Easily. to work out in their favor. Like, hey, it's a good thing they have a bloated roster, because if they didn't, they might be in big trouble right now. Yeah, easily, because, you know, you had number of injuries. Hey, you got to have some people like and it even helps, uh, you know, other stars like, you know, get up to the top. Like, hey, this person's sideline, we want you to, you know, embrace it. You take that spot and see what you can do with it. And, you know, that might even help your career. Just just a little injury could just help someone else's career. So. You know, it's kind of, it, it is imbalancing for them. So Claudio was a backup plan for them, you know, so we'll see what's, we'll see what's going on for them, you know, in the near future, but this benefited them whatsoever. Any changes you think you would make to like the show? Like, do you think they should move it to a different time? Is it, cause this is right after we we're just coming up double or nothing, right? So, and now we're going yeah. into all out and then we have a ring of honor pay-per-view. So we're basically getting a pay-per-view from AEW like every month of the summer right now. Yeah, see and and, and I discussed this um and I was, you know, because you have double or nothing at like the end of May, so they threw in uh Forbidden Door um in the time frame of June, you know, and then uh, all out is I think uh what is it? Um uh, September. August, September. You know, and I know it was kind of hard for all the build-ups. They only had a month. You know, next year, I think they're, you know, they're going to probably improve it and throw in, you know, try to start it up by double or nothing before then, if they can. Um, I, I would love to see them go to Japan next, like go over there that's now. What, yeah. You know, give, you know, they gave America a chance to throw it to Japan for, you know, go back and forth here and there. Um, maybe put it in, I was thinking maybe put it like during July, maybe mid July, and then you have all out. You can work out for two months span. I mean. Yeah, that's and the crazy part is like it's this is why Moxley had to beat Tanahashi. We it's like the only match we really didn't talk about yet. Uh, Moxley's the interim AEW champ right now, and Tanahashi couldn't really win the belt though because he's going to be in the G one, and that tournament is absolutely insane on their bodies because you're wrestling every night to battle to get into the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. So that that's gonna be tough. Like instead of a Royal Rumble for their main event, they have a, a tournament and you have to win yeah. win out throughout. So basically it's like total of points and then whoever gets the most points will move on. Mm -hmm. And they've got four different blocks this year. So there's like the A block, B block, C block, D block, and they lessened the matches, but he still has to be over there for that. So it's gonna be crazy, I think. Yeah, so um We'll just see what they do in the future, but you know, for uh, for a debut pay per view, is very successful. You know, they had minor conveniences. I know they had issues. You know, with CMML and AAA things. I think will be structured next year um, when they do this. But um, yeah, guys, we have more. Stay tuned.
Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there's a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants and sees platinum, that's right. Manscaped would like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Everybody knows that Manscaped is the leader in the below-the-waist grooming area. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PWSHOOT. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PWSHOOT. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with the Elite products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray, Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof so you can shave with less mess. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free Ultra Premium Deodorant for that cologne-quality scent on the go. Thankfully, their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve this problem for you. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Platinum Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. The Platinum 4.0 covers all the bases from head to toe. The best bang for your shebang. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PWSHOOT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping, guys, at manscaped.com. Just use that promo code PWSHOOT. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package at manscaped.com. All right, guys. So we have money in the bank around the corner. Um, of course, when you guys hear this, money in bank will be done with. But, um, you know, I know WWE's been running into issues, you know. Of course, we talked about that with AEW running injury issues. That was the same thing with WWE, you know. It, it was kind of interesting how they were going to handle everything. You know, no Cody Rhodes. And you have the situation of Roman's not defending the title as much. He's in the, you know, kind of using the Brock Lesnar schedule, you know. And WWE's just trying to, you know, mismanage and try to do as much as they can. WWE just has a lot on their plate, you know, going from the Vince McMahon stuff to injuries to trying to book Money in the Bank with, you know, them already moving from one venue to another. Um, 
I was going to ask you, you know, who do you think should be, you know, for the time being, who should win both Money in the Bank ladder matches? I know at the time, we don't know. Um, there is one more spot for the men's and the women's is all filled up. Who would you, who would be the right person to win this? And, you know, I know they need an extra person to be like the star caliber person to lead the show while Cody's out, Roman's out for some time. You know, they brought back uh, Brock, which was actually perfect for them. You know, they claimed that they brought him back. They were already going to bring him back beforehand, and this was already planned. I don't buy it. But, hey, they have somebody on hand, so, you know, they has their, you know, they have their connections, and, you know, it, it worked out for them. I mean, as much as we're going to give them shit, they found a, you know, a backup plan around this. So I, I got to give them, you know, as much as we give them crap, they, they found a way with this. Yeah. I'm I'm more upset than you when it comes to their planning. Honestly, yeah. they haven't been listening. You have no star power, and you're you have to go back to repeat matches. And injuries have just made it worse with Orton being out, Cody being out right now. I'm sure that stifled their plans for a lot of stuff too. But they're gonna find a way to make it work. There's a story to be told here. So for the men's Money in the Bank, I definitely think Seth Rollins is the guy. I think you could tease a lot that he's already been the champ. And who did he cash mm-hmm. in on last time? Roman Reigns. And Roman yes. is the—that's the only person Roman hasn't defeated technically. He, he uh, at the Rumble, I think it was a DQ that Rollins won by and never got his match. Yes, and he can still say, yes. "You've never beat me. I'm gonna get you." But then we also have Cody in the fold, and it's like, okay, well, Cody's gonna come back and get you. So th- there's ways to mess with this. I feel. Yeah, I think the whole idea, like with them having Roman win both titles, was kind of going to backfire them. And this is the situation. Now they're, you know, running behind. They had Riddle face Roman on a SmackDown. It was originally going to be Money in the Bank, but then plans changed with, of course, Orton getting injured. I actually have the list here of like the, the wrestlers in WWE that are injured. Um, Elias Hurt, um, Ridge Holland, Ray Ripley with her brain and teeth injury. Obviously, Cody's out. Orton's going to be out for, uh, you know, a good amount of time. Uh, Charlotte, I know she was getting married, but she's also had some issues. Nikita Lyons from NXT, Eero Shirai, Rick Boogs when he got hurt at WrestleMania. Um, the list goes on and on. Big E, you know, a bunch of other, a bunch of other stars. But, you know, um, I think Seth would be the perfect person to win the title. You can throw, you know, you, you got a long storytelling. I know we give them a lot of shit in general. But this is the one time you can actually swerve it into, you know, Cody's hurt. Well, Seth, you lost to him three times. But if Seth, you know, wins the money in the bank, you know, it kind of infuses all well. Roman, you know, did not beat him. Seth won via DQ. We never technically got a rematch if you want to count the Elimination Chamber one, I guess, in there. But, but who knows what they're going to do with this. Um, and I think it's, you know, and this kind of hurts WWE in a way. Even because it kind of it might make it obvious of maybe who's going to win the Rumble if Cody's back. I think Cody will be somewhere up in the finals, if not win the whole thing. And then Seth's going to be teasing it for some time, you know, if he ever cashes in. I mean, that seems like the most legitimate person to win it. Um, you had Drew McIntyre in the match. You have Sheamus, uh, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle. And then to be determined, which who do you think would be the mystery person to be in the match. Is there anybody that you can throw in there that might make a little bit of a difference and make you swerve and thinking, hey, maybe it can't be Seth. Maybe it's somebody else. I feel like you could put in like a Nakamura or Ricochet or somebody if you don't know, unless you're getting, unless you're signing somebody that nobody knows about. But at this point, I'm just like, you know what? 
put Ricochet in there. Let this guy do what he's really good at, and he, he's a high flyer. Let him take advantage of that. I feel like they just haven't used him to his full potential yet. Um, I could also see, like, maybe a strong performance for someone like, I hate even calling him this, Gunther, Walter. I, I, I could mm-hmm. see them giving him, like, a very strong performance. I actually have a dark horse pick, though, too, though. If you just okay. want to go out of left field and not make it Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn. I think you could tell a great story of him finally going back to his babyface ways, him having the briefcase, and then he uses it as his way to pal around with Roman until he realizes he's being used by the bloodline, and he's not really in the bloodline. Like, they'll have a meeting, and he, oh, Sammy, you, you got to go take care of this. And then he's like, I'm, I'm in the bloodline, you guys said. Why can't I have yeah. it? And then he uses that briefcase as like a great way to get a title shot, build himself up. He's a great baby face. He's one of my favorite sellers. Like him and Rey Mysterio are probably my top two in the company in the last like 10, 15 years. They can sell. Yeah, that's probably another, that was an easily good point. You got almost in there just being the tall guy, just doing, you know, whatever, just spots in there. That's pretty much what he's in there for. You got Drew and Sheamus in there. They're just going to continue feuding. I believe that's what they're doing. Riddle was just in there, just on that fell out of the picture, you know. But um, yeah, those two would make sense. Sammy rolling, you know, with Roman and his crew, and then you got Seth in there. But I, I think the obvious pick that everyone's gonna go is is Seth. You know, he's been on the losing streak with Cody. You got to give him something for going that time being. And then it's just element. Do you have Seth cash in on Roman, or do you have it? You know, Roman faces Cody, and then you have Seth cash in and ruin a. Cody Rhodes celebration, like there's this so many the possibilities. Weird, I feel you can like do they don't this. know what they want to do yet, and that's the crazy part. Like I feel like they have no clue what they want to do with that money in the bank. Women's money in the bank seems a little bit easier, if I had to guess. Like I'm like, it's got to be Becky, right? You got to get. I think Becky's starting to get the baby face reactions again. That like she was clobbering people last night on Raw. By the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be past it, but. She was just, she beat everybody to get into that match, and I'm like, they're cheering her. Why is she a heel? Like, I never thought she should have went heel when you guys went to that SummerSlam show. They cheered her. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, it is a kind of wacky card, you know, besides everything, you know, um, with everything that happened, you know, with with uh, Sasha Banks, Naomi, which, you know, those could have been in the match as well, but, you know, their situation. Um, Lacey Evans, they're just throwing there just to be in the mix. They don't know what they're doing with their um, I know, uh, I want to say a big fan favorite, if I want to say, is Liv Morgan. Raquel Rodriguez just thrown in there just because they need some filler. Um, you, Asuka, I mean, I don't know, you could do something with it, but, you know, Shotzi, same thing, they just threw in there. I mean, but Becky would probably be the biggest one. I mean, she's been down her luck, she got her hair cut, you know, from Bianca. Um, I, I don't, I mean, it's... I want to say Becky would be it, and then it's interesting if you throw Liv in there. I don't know what you could do with Alexa. I I don't know what they can do with her right now. I know I, I believe she's just is she a face at the moment? I believe that's what they're they're depict, depicting so. her as. I found it weird that her and like Liv got into it last night too, though, and they're tag partners the week before. I don't I don't know. And where's that women's tag tournament they promised us? Like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they want to mention everything, especially with Vince and all that. And <laughs> I don't know. I think they're just dropping the titles, and then we're just like, oh, well, NXT has tag titles. That's all we're you know noticing on there. So you know, I mean, look, I love Money in the Bank. You know, I only watch it for two matches. You know, I mean, I'm looking at the card right now, and you know, um, 
I'll go back to it. Yeah, I think Ricochet should be in there, or you could throw Gunter in there. I mean, he's not on the card. Um, you got Bianca facing Carmella, which is just to me, it's just a throwaway match, you know, because of um, Rhea Ripley. So yeah, I thought that was actually um, going to be a, a sleeper match for them, uh, Rhea Ripley and Bianca. I thought that would have been great. Yeah, that was a bummer. You know, I know WWE's been having a just just a weird time. I mean. You know, these last two or three weeks, and I've heard uh, or a month in general, the wrestling community has been crazy with Vince McMahon and then wrestlers being, you know, um, that were released. It could have been that was the situation of why they're getting released. And then Cody gets hurt. So they decided to make, you know, Edge probably the biggest person on the card at the moment with him throwing out, (laughs) being thrown out of Judgment Day. It's interesting. Um, There's actually like some breaking Sasha Banks news while we were talking and getting ready for the show. Uh, from Raj Geary, uh, he said, just to be clear, Sasha Banks' release was done by Erica Schreiber, VP of Business and Legal Affairs for Talent Relations. Not that uh, hmm. news came from her. I would never out a source. But he's saying that um, Here's what I know about Sasha Banks. She was released on June or June 10th, and it came from Erica Schreiber, same person, VP of Business and Legal Affairs for Talent Relations. As for why WWE has not said anything or removed her, the rumor is that leadership is trying to smooth things over. Hmm. Yeah, that that's very interesting. I know. I know. Raj has been taking a lot, a lot of crap when he mentioned it, and you know he was getting threats over it, and it's in. You know, um, we never really dissected into this of, you know, of, you know, when it was rumored that she was released. Um, supposedly they were both active. You've seen that Naomi was tweeting about not being there for John Cena coming back. Um, that's interesting. You know, if she's in a company or not, I don't know, you know, and I'm surprised they haven't. I don't think they just, just don't want any information. on I think they're just going to rub it up, throw it under the carpet. And that's it. You know, oh, well, she's here, but we're not telling you guys. You know, so I think it looks better in their favor too now that John Laurinaitis, the person who they threw the tag belts at, supposedly is like removed from power. Well, that says something about maybe why they were mad too. Like maybe they don't have any respect for someone who's done the things that they've been accused. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's understandable for part of it. Yeah, it's very interesting, but you know. It- I don't know. Will they ever bring back those tag titles? I I rarely doubt it. They keep claiming there's going to be a tournament. Yeah, I don't think there is. Um, You know, and I know I mentioned, like, you know, them bringing Brock Lesnar for SummerSlam to face Roman. Um, You got rumors of Cena coming back for one more match against, supposedly, it's going to be Austin Theory. That's what they keep teasing. Um, And honestly, like, you know, like with AEW having their injury issues, this kind of helped WWE. I mean, it just happened to line up. Cena coming back for his 20th anniversary. Now you got him coming back for a match with John Cena appearances. That helps him. You got Brock coming back. So in a way, it kind of gives him a favor, you know? Um, I'm surprised they haven't gave Taker a call. Like, hey, we need you one more time. Can you help us out? Right. <laughs> it wouldn't be... Su- don't be surprised they come knocking. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a, a Steve Austin appearance at some time in the future with just... Just everything going on. They're just hoping Cody goes back quicker, you know, than, you know, comes back quicker than they estimate. I believe it's like eight months. They're hoping for six. So, um, yeah, Money in the Bank, you know, I enjoyed, but I only watched the two matches. The rest of the card, it's just, to me, it's just throwaway. Nothing really interesting. Um, is there any other superstars you would bring 
you know, Debbie, like if you were in charge and you had injury situations, um, who would you bring back? Give a call like, hey, we need you to do like a little bit of a stunt of a, uh, you know, wrestling for some time. Would you bring back a legend? Would you call somebody up from NXT? What would your planning be since they have been running in that issue and things seem to be lining up a little bit for them? Just a little bit. Yikes. Um, I think they need better writing and you need to build stars tomorrow. I would actually probably say yesterday they should have been building stars up. And I think they gave away a lot of good talent to uh, AEW, and I would try to look to get some of them back would be the future thing. I, and that's what, like how I've been saying. They're treating Cody well because they're going to want to attract people back. So yes. that, that's what I would be more so focused on. Who's my future? Who do I have at the PC who we can use? Are we getting Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes and the rest ready to come up here? Because they're going to need them sooner than later, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, now you got to start focusing. You know, you got, uh, what do they count down? Like at least 10 to 15 stars. Oh, Bailey. Bailey's not even in the mix as well. And that's another, you know, big timer. Of course, they're, you know, this is covering their ass for money to bank. But what do you do for the for SummerSlam? Just have two women title matches. You know, Ronda Rousey, to me, isn't cutting it. You know, but, um, yeah, they do got to focus on their, you know, I, I know they want to focus on XT. I mean, we've heard that Triple H is supposedly in charge. So things might be might be turning a different uh a different way so we will see what happens but you know whatever you do do not if you're going to bring up these nxt stars do not ruin them like you've have in the past you treat them treat them like they're your last resort and that's it if you blow it that's it just you know you gotta just give them a little bit of just give them a little bit of freedom not too much just let them embrace themselves in the ring let them introduce themselves to the main roster and it will help you guaranteedly you can bring so many new storylines into the mix. I mean, you know, I know we complain about them having a big roster for years, but hey, it helped for AW. I think it's these turns to try to do that for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. They they have a, a wide variety. Like, I'm surprised they haven't looked at NXT UK for anything yet. There's a lot of talented people there, too, and maybe even move them over to NXT and just have one NXT. But they're still doing their thing. I'm with it. I just want them to focus on their future and actually have compelling television. That's the hardest thing I think right now with WWE and me personally. Yeah. So we're expecting, you know, we're hoping not expecting cause we don't usually get that from them, but <laughs> we're hoping some entertaining, uh, you know, some, some positiveness from WWE. They, they, they do need something. They need to shed some light in the right direction. Um, speaking of exciting wrestling, we are go ahead. No, I was gonna say Money in the Bank's always a fun show, so I don't plan on being disappointed by it. You're getting ladder matches, like come on. Yeah, and fans always go crazy for them. But speak, but speaking of exciting matches, guys, we got a ruthless aggression segment coming up, and we're talking about probably one of the greatest, um, if at least up there, trio trio factions, Team Angle, coming right up, guys. Christopher Daniels, National Treasure, Inspiration to Children Everywhere, and you're listening to Pro Wrestling Shoot! It's Pro Wrestling's only fully functioning homicidal artist, it's Drexel, and you're watching or listening or doing something with the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Bang Bang! Shoot, get it? Yeah. It's your honor. As my client just referred to, uh, 
the first testimony that I want to call upon today is a good friend of me and my client as of recently, uh, Mr. P. Mr. P, can you please approach the stand? Thank you. Holy fuck! I fucking saw them pretty good, huh? The size of this God damn! See this shit, man? I'm fucking telling you, yeah. That's what I'm fucking telling you. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you alright, man? Do you need anything right. like, like some fucking oxygen or something? God damn. Alright, man. Cockering, you can proceed, man. This shit is crazy. Okay, Mr. P, do you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth? So help you? Okay, okay. So, Mr. P, my first question to you is, how long have you been listening to the pro wrestling shoot? Approximately. Okay, okay. So you have been a listener before Mr. Shiznit joined on board, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, so prior to Mr. Shiznit joining the show, how did the cast make you feel? Uh, uh, they made me feel real good. Okay, okay. Okay, good, good. Okay, so, so you are a huge fan of this show, correct? No pun intended, Mr. P. Okay, Mr. P, tell me how you felt when you found out that the pro wrestling suit was having a call-in segment. Tell us. And that you did, Mr. P. Now, as for the night in question, how did you feel when you finally got through to this show? Yes, yes, I know, Mr. P. But then it all came crashing down, didn't it? Right. Tell us, tell us what happened, Mr. P. Okay, uh, I'll call the match of Cody Rose. Okay. I'm scared. AW is gonna go out of business now, so I, I was just giving my thoughts. Hold on, hold on. Who is he, Mr. P? You're speaking of the defendant, Mr. Shiznit, correct? Okay, okay. It's okay. Take take your time. As you all can see, the trauma is still fresh with Mr. P. Tell us what he said. I can't even fucking breathe. 
It's okay. As you can see, Your Honor, without even knowing, Mr. Shiznit just assumed that Mr. P here is fat. It's assumptions like these that are commonplace on that show, and especially from the defendant here, Mr. Shiznit. Okay, okay, I hear you. Okay, Mr. P, I want you to tell the people how that assumption made you feel. So he is causing physical damages too. Uh, uh, objection, your honor. Check that shit. Hey, hold up, hold up, shut up, man. Just chill. Hey, I'm kidding me. All right, continue, Mr. Uh, cock, cock ring. Okay, Mr. Up, P. Tell us about your everyday life since she's not humiliated you. Sad, so sad. Mr. Shiznit is a destroyer of life. Is this the way we are headed as a society? Letting people like Mr. Shiznit be little and marginalize people like Mr. P. And my client? Fucking pussy. What a sad world we live in. I guess we're just gonna let this continue until everyone's just sitting at home, like Mr. P here. Watching the Cardassians with a buffet in their face because of bullies like Mr. Shiznit. Well, that ain't gonna happen. Not on my watch. No more questions, Your Honor. Aye, aye, aye. Hell's that one half bad, man. You can be seated. Uh. Uh, let's see. Mr. Poindexter. Now you can talk, bruh. Uh. You fucking better. You can start your questions next if you have any uh, for the for the for the dude right here for the big man. Okay. Uh. Uh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh. Just let me get my things up. Oh. Oh. oh excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Uh. Uh. Okay. Uh. uh don't worry, Mister Shiznit. I got this. Uh, all right. Uh. Your Honor. Uh. uh we're so fucked. What? The Pro Wrestling Shoot listeners, it is I, Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And you guys can catch us on YouTube where we record all of our podcast episodes live, where we get fan interaction, 
fan feedback, and get your thoughts on everything happening in the pro wrestling world. So do us a favor. Join us on Wednesdays after AEW Dynamite at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us in the live stream. Come on in and leave your thoughts about AEW Dynamite. We also do pay-per-view reviews for all of your favorite companies, whether it's WWE, NXT, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. Sometimes we even pop up with a local indie review. Just make sure you're subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling on YouTube. And if you want to listen to us on the go and you want to just listen to the audio versions, we are also featured on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, let's get back to listening to Jesse and the Pro Wrestling Shoot. All right, guys, we are talking about the infamous. I want to say infamous because it was actually a uh, short period when Team Angle formed. But um, let's dive into Team Angle. So um, everyone wants to know, and, you know, every time we do the Ruthless Aggression segment, you know, it's very interesting, the note-taking I, I do. You know, so many little details that I, you know, forgot or don't remember from years ago. That's what I love about the segment. So let's kick it off here. So, um... Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, of course, they were not in Team Angle. This was this was before, so they started and formed on October twenty second, two thousand two. Um, this was on Velocity at the Pyramid Arena in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, they were at, on the dark match, so never televised, and they lost to Bill DeMont and Val Venus. Um, um, weird, weird tag team, but um, yeah, that was their start. They were just known as Haas and Benjamin, so nothing crazy for them. They worked a few months on house shows. And then um, December 19, 2002, um, in Tampa, Florida, at the St. Pean Times Forum, uh, this was an episode of SmackDown. Um, at the time, Kurt Angle was the champion. He was the heel. Lesnar was the face. You know, everybody loved this Lesnar at the time. Um, during that show, Lesnar faced Shannon Moore, beat him in 45 seconds. And the main event was uh, Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle for the WWE title. Um, Benoit beat Angle via DQ, so of course you know how it is. Disqualifications never change the title. Um, <clears throat> and um, you know during the during the match, you know they started whooping on uh, Angle. Came Angle was whooping on Benoit. Big Show was there as well. He was whooping on them, and then Lesnar came in and got his ass kicked. And pretty much the show ended up them just kicking his ass and. This was the very few times where they would show like footage off air. You know, what, like what was your opinion, Conrad, when they would do this for you know just any wrestling show, and they would show like the following, like oh hey, this happened after the show went went off air. Like should they just already you know should have just shown it from the previous show, or should they just you know was how did you feel about when they used to do that kind of stuff? I mean, as long as they didn't make a habit out of it, I was okay with it. Like there are moments too where I want sometimes like matches to end during the commercial i know some people were like against it like i know AEW did one like that recently but i'm like if you're supposed to believe that this match can end at any time let it happen like i'm a big proponent for winning matches with your signature move or winning a match with a just a german suplex sometimes like how did that happen well you need to pay attention to all the pinfalls because it could end at any moment you never know and i think that'll get people more reinvested into like pinfalls of big big mm-hmm. moves so then the kickouts matter more to you. I think it's a wise thing to yeah, do. Yeah, because you usually sit in wrestling matches if the you know, after like a few technical moves and whatnot, you know, they'll do a pinfall here and there, you know. While, you know, when you play the video games and whatnot, you usually want to fit, beat a wrestler or beat your 
your um, opponent by a finisher, you know, wrestling, you know, I kind of like the different intake of, you know, beating someone in a different style, you know, it doesn't even have to be a finisher or signature, it could just be like a simple roll up, just something different. So, you know, it's, it's, it's cool seeing when they do stuff like this, because it's kind of rare when they show like stuff off air, like, hey, you didn't see this, we're going to show you what happened off air. And this is like they kind of bring into storyline, and that's what exactly they did. So after the show went off air, you know, Heyman was at the time uh, working with Kurt Angle, and uh, Lesnar was on the floor. Angle and Show are looking down at him. Lesnar, um, Heyman was just, you know, shaking his head, you know. And um, once the show went off air, they started whooping on his ass a little bit more. You hear Heyman screaming at Lesnar, saying, I hate you. And then Lesnar starts getting some offense, starts whooping on both of them. And they started doing an angle. Lesnar beat the hell out of Angle to the point where he injured him. Um, he did an F. He did chair shots to both Angle and Show. He beat up Angle a number of times. He did an F5 to him and threw him right into the ring post where Angle was just screaming. And, you know, pretty much he felt like, oh, my knee's broken, you know. And the following week, they had him limping. He had him limping, he had crutches, um, and Heyman was escorting him to the ring. And this was on the December second, uh, December 26, 2002 episode of SmackDown in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Angle was just calling out Lesnar, saying, you're a monster, you know, you don't do this to your champion. And Heyman's like, I got you covered, you know, I got a contingency plan, is what he called it. And that is when he brought in Team Angle, as the time being. They came out of the Kurt Angle's music. And you had Shelton Benjamin, which, you know, was Brock Lesnar's uh, college college teammate. And he was roommate, which, I, you know, what are the coincidences of that? Of all, of all people, how do you, uh, you know, it was very excellent how they brought it. And they brought him with the same style as Angle, so everything worked out. You had Charlie Haas, was, who was from Senton Hall, uh, Seton Hall, by mistake. He was also, um, Shelton was from Minnesota, just like Lesnar. So things were starting like Matt add up. It was kind of working to the Angle of you know feuding with Brock similarities you know they kind of knew um Brock a little bit more than usual and uh what were your like if you remember this moment what do you what do you think how do you think this trio was going to work out with team angle you know you got so so with me I thought that they had like a lot there were a lot so I knew very little about Charlie Haas at the time Charlie Haas is a great wrestler though is what I eventually learned but Shelton Benjamin, I had heard rumors of him teaming up with Brock Lesnar in some type of like Minnesota Golden Gopher like kind of tag team. Yeah, I believe where Brock was doing like the shooting star press. Yeah, and I think stuff. it was like an OVW. They were they were a tag team at one point, I believe. And honestly, this shows Jim Cornette's genius. Like he probably knew Brock was going to be a star, but he's like, let me put you with Shelton so Shelton can do all the high flying stuff. And then you could come and do your power stuff, and I'll teach you what they're gonna want you to do when you get up there. And it worked; like it, it was money. You made you made two stars out of it. And Shelton Benjamin's athleticism is absolutely insane. Easily, like I know we're only gonna talk about the this portion of it, but this dude later on went to Raw and like got big victories over people. And I think he could have been a main eventer if he was a little bit better on the microphone. I was really rooting for him back in the day. I remember that when he started getting a singles push. And I'm just like, dude, Shelton Benjamin is an amazing athlete. And in Team Angle, you're going to see exactly why. Yeah, and then you got that amateur wrestling background, you know. And, yeah, I remember that Shelton was, uh, I think he got like one or two victories against Triple H. And it was like a big, big deal because it was like 
Shoten was known as a tag team specialist, never did a singles run. And, um, you know, same thing. Yeah, I, you know, he could have been a main event player and then they just didn't give it to him. He just started doing tag teams, then doing a little singles run, then back to tag teams. And then the one moment he had his that so-called, I don't even know if that was, you know, I never even looked into if that was his real grandma or mom or whatever until they brought that gimmick in. That that was not his okay. real mom. I forgot what television show she was from, but yeah, that, that ruined him, I thought. <laughs> Shelton Benjamin's mom. Well, yeah, we're not going to talk about Shelton's bad times. So, uh, yeah, so Heyman introduced him, and their pretty much job was protect Kurt as much as you can, do, or not much as you can, you need to do it. And so Kurt pretty much said, Lesnar, you're not getting a shot at title. You're not doing nothing. And um, the number one contendership for the match of the night was Benoit versus Big Show. Uh, Big Show was, uh, you know, siding with Kurt Angle. So pretty much their thing was just beat up on Benoit. And if you see Lesnar beat up on him. And um, that's pretty much the start of uh, Team Angle. So, the first rivalry was actually against Benoit and Edge. That was actually their first TV match on SmackDown together. They ended up losing the via disqualification. Um, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but Benoit had one of them, and I believe it was a Crip for Crossface, one of them. And I don't even remember this. Kurt Angle started beating up on Tony Chimmel. I don't even remember to call this. And he started beating the hell out of him until he announced Team Angle won the match. <laughs> um. Which, uh, you know, big major props. Uh, you know, I know Tony Chimble's not the biggest fan announcer to many people, but I actually like Tony Chimble. <laughs> Poor Tony Chimble getting jacked up in the process. Yeah, this was around the time of the Angle Benoit Royal Rumble match I think they were building towards. Yes. Which, which is absolutely fantastic if you've never seen, like, this Team Angle time period. In my opinion, this might be, like, peak Kurt Angle, like where he understood everything and he knew he was the top player. Yeah, he was like one of the top dogs in the company, you know. Um, Angle was like very, very on top, you know, you know, being when he was when he first came in the company, being booed as an Olympic gold medalist and, you know, he didn't understand it. Then he just the the the, the light bulb switched for him and he just said, I need to be a hill and man, you know, just like Lesnar, you know, Kurt picked it up and, you know, having these three being wrestling background specialists it was a perfect mixing so um they didn't take long for team angle or shall i say you know later on they changed their name but let's just call him benjamin haas they ended up beating uh benoit on edge and it was a number one contendership and this is january 30th okay january 30th they debuted on january 20th their first match so less than a month they're already number one contenders for the titles and at the time it was los guerreros eddie and chavo and the following show, the following show, I believe, was uh, February, oh, excuse me if I missed this, I think 6th or 7th. They ended up beating the Los Guerreros, and they won the titles already. Um, you know, I know, like, how do you feel about, like, tag, like, do you think it was too early for them to win the titles that quick? Do you think they should have elevated more and more, or did it help the group, you know, be empowered? I mean, when you have a split roster like that, I mean... I don't know, man. How can how can you complain about it, you know? Like those dudes just showed up and they did what they had to. And I thought they were a great tag team at the time. I mean, during that time period, this was still around the time of like the SmackDown 6 with Benoit, Angle, Guerrero. You had a lot of talented people, but you had to also elevate at the same time. 
So I thought that they, uh, I thought they did it right. You know, I can't, I can't say anything bad yeah, about it. It's just like, you know, I, I know for most wrestling fans now of, you know, Hey, I want you to introduce the star and don't have the title win right away, you know, but you know, there's certain times like the, you know, angle was already on top. You got to make his group a little stronger, get some, a little bit of heat on this guy. And it kind of did help him out, you know, and them winning the titles right away. Um, and I don't think, you know, at the time, I think Los Guerreros weren't really doing much at the time. They beat almost everybody. So this was another group to focus on. And uh, what an excellent tag team to bring in, you know, to the picture. So already one month into their debut and they've already won the titles. And they won it at the first Union Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, from there, they still con- they still continue the rival with Benoit. And in No Way Out, they had all th- all three members of T-Angle face Lesnar and Benoit. They ended up losing. <laughs> Um, they ended up losing the bout and no way out in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And then um, they had a match at WrestleMania. Uh, I believe it's twelve. Uh, let me make sure if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 19. Uh, and they were in a uh, many people. Uh, this is kind of a for to me. It's a forgetting tag match. I know it was kind of short. Um, Jesse was actually at this WrestleMania, the one at uh, Safeco Field. But it was Los Guerreros, Benoit and Rhino, and Benjamin and Haas and a very quick match but you know I've seen this one number of times and I thought it was an excellent match um Safeco Field 54,097 fans were in attendance 560,000 buys you know they're already getting a good peak of their tag titles um you know so they're already on the way I mean they've already won the titles back in February you've already um defend them at Wrestlemania I mean already you got a good start for you good look for them so, and then shortly later, they ended up losing the titles to a tag team that I can't recall, um, but I've heard this was a fantastic ladder match. Maybe you can throw in your input on there. I have to watch again. Um, it was Ting Angle versus Eddie and not Chavo. Chavo was injured at the time, so they threw in Tajiri in there. Do you do you recall much of Eddie and Tajiri being a tag team? I do a little bit. Um, I remember that match being a banger. Like, that's the one where everybody just refers back to it. But I did not, I felt like it was kind of a thrown together thing with um, Eddie and Tajiri like teaming up to face the world's greatest tag team. And I don't know, WWE's good for that type of stuff. Like they'll just throw together a team. But I understand in an injury circumstance, you had to have a replacement for Chavo. Yeah, and you know, like you kind of get two different styles. You got Eddie Guerrero, you got Tajiri, the Japanese buzzsaw, you know, and it's just a mixed tag team. And they threw it in a ladder match. I have to go watch this again. Um, but I've heard it a number of times from people to recommend. Um, this back happened on May 18th at Charlotte, North Carolina. 13,000 fans a lo- uh, <clears throat> in attendance. 300. Sorry, 300. That'd be a <laughs> small buy rate. 317,000 buy rates for this. So Team Angle already lost the titles to a, an oddball team, you know, but it's a different, you know, they lost in a ladder match. Um, fantastic match. Everyone's got to go watch it. And then things started kind of dwindling a little bit. So on June 12th, Angle started talking to Benjamin Haas. They were going on a losing streak. You know, things were crumbling for them. Um, Angle just lost the title WrestleMania to Brock. So that was passing the torch, of course. And but they started blaming Kurt. Like, it's your fault why we lost the titles. They started questioning his leadership. And Angle's like, get out of here. You guys are fired. So they were no longer Team Angle. Um you know, once in a while, either Benjamin or Haas, they face Angle a number of times. And then everyone went their separate ways. Angle started doing his own thing. And T-Angle was uh, broken up. 
So, of course, like you mentioned, the world's greatest tag team, and of course, what the commentators were t- were asked, they were they had to put self-proclaim every time, so they were being called the self-proclaim world's greatest tag team. They were doing their own, you know, stunning no more angle in the situation. They had their own theme song, no coming out to Kurt Angle's You Suck Thog. Um, and right on top of it, they ended up winning the titles where they beat Eddie and Tajiri, so now they're back on top, you know. Um, I know it's a plain name, probably cheesy, but it worked out for them. They kind of had that st- that star caliber, you know, work for them, you know, being a wrestling background, you know, already, you know, being already known. They were still a heel tag team, you know, but what a, what a phenomenal, what a phenomenal tag team whatsoever. And being called the world's greatest tag team, it, it stuck with them very nicely. It, it kind of just put the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they were a really good tag team, and uh, I actually like the name World's Greatest Tag Team better for them. Um, they they really did a good job with it. The key for them was just to get them in there with people who could work with them and their style. I was really uh, digging it, and it reminds me a lot of like what we see from like Chad Gable today. That just that collegiate wrestling background, but you also mix in some pro wrestling elements with it. It works for them. Yeah, it's like they're they're like they were back then the modern day American Alpha in a way, you know. Something a little similar, mm-hmm. two different backgrounds, you know, but it, it worked for them. So, of course, so on July 3rd, they ended up winning the title. So they were champions. Um, they, they feuded with a number of teams. Um, Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman were a tag team at one point. Um, the APA, they started feuding with them. And then they originally, they lost the titles to Eddie and to Jerry. Well, this time they lost the titles to Los Guerreros. Um, Benjamin got hurt, so things were kind of going down again. So... They just kept losing back and back to Eddie and Chavo. They tried to get the titles, couldn't do it whatsoever. And then they had like a short stunt period of a um, of rivalry with the APA. They beat them in no way out. They started mocking the APA after their victory on the following SmackDown. APA got pissed off. Um, <clears throat> the APA started getting pissed off. They attacked them, and then Scotty, Scotty Tuati, Rikishi came out. The Doug Basham and uh, Danny Basham came out. They were. Um, they were involved as well, and then we got a fit of four-way at WrestleMania, and uh, another banger from all four teams. I, you know, I know we don't talk about the tag team division back in the day, but the tag team division was there. I mean, they had a number of teams. They even had some old school. They had like, you know, you kind of had a mix of too cool. You had APA, then you have Los Guerreros. You had um, Scotty Tuhati, Rikishi. You know. The tag team division was there, you know, not as compared as now, but they had a good element of teams in there. Um, but, you know, not not much, but it's just crazy that team angle ended so quickly. Um, it was a span of, uh, let me let me double check on this. So they started, um, they were in on December and they ended up breaking the team up in June. So not, not too, not too long of a, of a uh, team angle run for them. Um, just things didn't go correctly for them, but they're still a phenomenal tag team. You know, Team Angle embraced them very much just for a short period of time, winning the title so quickly, and then being the world's greatest tag team, things started going well for them. Um, and then eventually, eventually they started doing a draft on March 20, 20, March 22nd, 2004. They ended up breaking the team. Benjamin went to Raw. Haw stayed on SmackDown, so the team was already broken up. Uh, they had a short stun again, um, and they tagged again. They reunited on Raw in 2006 of December. 
Um, they competed against number teams, but they ended up trying to win the titles. Uh, another banger match, I would say, for people to watch when they face the Hardys at one night stand and a ladder match, which, um, you know, when you put the Hardys in a ladder match, you expect good matches with them. So this is another one. And then, you know, after this, they just went their own separate ways. Um, Benjamin still on TV, of course. Um, he was actually just on Raw the other night. Uh, Haas is doing independent bookings. Um, but, you know, all in all, though, Benjamin and Haas were a phenomenal tag team whatsoever. World's greatest tag team being a part of T-Angle. Could have had a longer stunt period with them, but it put them on the block. They're, you know, they're up there for good tag teams whatsoever. So um, do you have any favorite moments of, of Charlie Haas and and Shelton Benjamin? Um, I loved them just being with Angle. I love the look. I was a big fan of the uh, velour suits back then. I never wore those back at that time, but I always loved them when people rocked them. I just thought they looked dope. They they looked good with the titles too, if that makes any sense. Like as someone who loves seeing people with like wrestling belts, sometimes a guy can look all right with it, but there's times where it's like, oh, that fits. It's shiny and it looks great. World's Greatest Tag Team definitely had that down. I wish that this lasted longer is the one thing I always remember saying about this before that draft. I was just like, we're really breaking up this great tag team already. Like these dudes are really good, and we're just giving up on this. Like I would, you're trying to build a tag division. Why would you split them? But they must have saw more money in one than the other, and then I don't know. Mm-hmm. That that's where it, it, the wheels fell off of it to me. Yeah, it's just um, you know, just same thing. I currently going on with wrestling. That's what ended up happening. Angle got injured, so they said, well, we can keep Tango Angle for a little bit. That's what they kind of did for for the time being and then they broke him off and then angle started being a manager so they're like well we don't have much for you to do with angle so they just said well do your own thing as world's greatest tag team for time 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 and then they just said it like the other fashion let's just break them up see what they can do with sync competitors hoffs i mean i know he did a, a couple like of those um those gimmicks where he would like betray other superstars and then benjamin you yeah. know he had a single run. I believe he was always known as like an IC champion mint card. He had his uh, later down the road started working in the hurt business, but you know, yeah, he was always untapped potential. They thought, yeah, um, just some side facts in there. So uh, Shelton actually won more, won another tag title. Wonder with Cedric Alexander, and then um, Haas ended up winning the title one more time with Rico when when Rico was just like a you know just one of those uh, characters that was out of the ball. Um, but, you know, World's Greatest Tag Team, they're in our books whatsoever. They're, they're a fantastic team, and, you know, they were booked in the right way. Could have been a little booked better, but they're very known. Um, I have one question for you. So if you add up all the titles that Kurt Angle won, Shelton Benjamin, and Charlie Haas, and we're just counting WWF and WWE titles together, how many titles do you think they won all together? Uh, I got four, four options for you. 20, 22, 24, or 18? If you had add all the titles up, just WWE, WWF titles. Oh my goodness. I hate that hardcore belt. It always <laughs> makes things weird during yeah. this time period. And, um, and even I, you got give me your, give me the three again. 20. Or okay. The four. So you got 20, 22, 24 and 18. I'm going to say 18. Oh, you're so close, but it was actually 22. So Angle ended up uh, winning nine titles in his WWE career. Haas won three, which surprisingly was it was only three tag titles. 
Benjamin won 10 titles, so there was a couple of tag titles in there, obviously, with, with Haas. Um, he won the 24-7 title a couple times. He won the U.S. title one time. I don't even remember that time. And then the IC title. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, for, I totally forgot about that U.S. title reign for Benjamin. And I think I'm, I feel like I'm missing something else with him. Oh, maybe the Cedric tag title yeah, run because I short can't remember start, anything from today. But, um, yeah, that's all we have, guys. But next week. We are going to be talking about probably one of the, I want to say like one of the oddest storylines, but it was perfect the way they constructed it. We're talking about Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero when they started feuding and the custody match that everybody knows. Um, that's going to be interesting to dive into. How did you take this when they started doing, you know, WWE has always been, you know, like they always like to do controversy stuff. Um, what did you think of the new custody match with Dominic in the picture? And funny enough, he's in wrestling. I hate, I hate it. I hated it. Really? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't like that they were. I love that Eddie and Ray were feuding, and that could have just been the feud. Instead, you had to get like all weird and then put Ray's son in and say, like, Eddie was his father. And I'm like, why would you do that to this kid <laughs> and make this weird? Like, I don't know. I didn't like that part of it, but. They had some. They had some good matches, though. Yeah, I mean, if for some reason it just works for. For some reason, it just always tangles up with Rey Mysterio. They did one where, if, like, I think it was like Rey's daughter was dating. Um, uh, who was it? Um, what the hell is it? Buddy yeah, Murphy. Murphy. They did that angle, which was kind of odd, but you know, Rey Mysterio um, and Eddie, you know, being close buddies in real life, and then Eddie turning heel was just fantastic, guys. So that's going to be interesting to talk about. Um, but of course, guys, we upload every money on Spotify. You guys can check us out and hit us up on Twitter at TPWS Podcast. And Conrad, where can they hit you up at? Uh, you guys can find me on all the social medias at EPW Show. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you guys look. Put in EPW Show. And on YouTube, you can find us at Everything Pro Wrestling. Uh, we always do live streams after Dynamite. I've been talking some video game stuff on there here and there when I can. And uh, we got another couple new concepts probably coming real soon so definitely make sure that you guys check it out and i want to say thank you to you guys for having me on once again always an honor pleasure and fun and i wanted to uh send some love to jesse right now uh thinking of you brother thank you guys so much for having me yes on. we're digging about you jesse uh condolences to your family and conrad it's always awesome to have you fill in for us you know we you know we've been buds for a long time so we appreciate it yeah, go follow everything pro wrestling. They got great content. And of course, you guys check out our Manscaped, Manscaped products. Um, obviously you can go get 20% off, use our code, get free shipping. And that is it for us. And we'll see you guys next time on here. Thank you very much. This is the pro wrestling shoot. This is the pro wrestling show. Here we go again. This is the pro wrestling show. Hey, what's up? This is your host, Jesse Carter. Pro wrestling show. It's about to get exciting. Pro wrestling show.